This is the Zach Ansbury Show. Welcome. Today's podcast clip comes from an interview with Chris Villani from Foodland Supermarkets Australia. So, uh, and, and, and building on what you were just saying in terms of like having the empirical analysis and then, and then the evidence to support your decisions, you know, they aid in that decision making for you. Um, and, 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 you know, you, you did your undergrad and then, and then worked for the Ehrenberg Bass Institute. Have you ever had any, uh, issues, issues with, um, selling the, uh, how to put it, putting evidence-based marketing or selling marketing science within an organization? And, and then how do you actually overcome that? Yeah, look, this is a, this, this is a really good question. And I, you know, I, I guess I was very, very naive in thinking that, I would learn something and then I would say something and then everyone would believe me, almost like a <laughs> disciple, right? Like I just left Adelaide and, you know, went to Sydney, went to Melbourne and I was just, you know, spreading the gospel according to, to, to Byron. But I, 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 I distinctly recall having a, um, having a presentation. So every Friday we used to have a session where um, someone from the organisation would present on a passion project or there's something they wanted the rest of the organization to know okay. about. Of course, I spoke about how brands grow, marketing science, because I just come from Adelaide. And I was like, this is going to be fantastic. I'm going to change the way people think about marketing. I'm going to change the way people see how the brands actually grow. So put all this time and effort and I delivered what I thought was a fairly decent um, presentation. Uh, you know, had facts and evidence there. And I thought um, I thought after that, everyone would be cheering and, you know, had <laughs> lift, you lift me up in a chair and be like, whoa, yay, marketing science. But no, it kind of, all right, everyone, let's get, get back to doing what we were normally doing. Yeah. And that was really disheartening for me as a I young man bet. to see because it's, um, this is kind of everything that I knew and everything <laughs> that I believed in. And I really wanted to change people. Like, I really wanted to change people. And it probably wasn't until I, I, I matured a little bit more to understand this is stuff that you just have to chip away at because when you're, as I've said before, when I tell my team, we that have kind of grown up in the Edinburgh Bass Institute have been around this kind of thinking day in, day out. If you're not around that thinking day in, day out, it's really easy for it to kind of just kind of go by the wayside. So just to kind of get into someone's face and say, everything that you know is wrong, mm. here are the actual facts, is not an effective way to do it. So one of the things that you slowly do is just drip feed a little bit of information, especially at a board level. It's probably one of the most important things. You need buy-in mm. from the top yeah. because then you can get other people to slowly drip feed things down, down, down. So just kind of whacking everyone over the head with a whole bunch of information I found wasn't the most effective tactic. Yeah. It certainly got more effective when it was just let's go to the very top Let's strip feed some information or actually have you considered this or actually if you have a look at the data, you might see it does X, Y, Z. And, you know, every every month you might get another win and then another win and then another win and then another win. And then before you know it, everyone knows the duplication of purchase law. Yeah, right. So because you had buy-in and, 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 and a lot of your team into the, into the marketing science world and, you know, whacking people with a whole bunch of data and stuff didn't work and you said... Um, working your way from the top actually worked throughout the board. Um, 
How did you go about doing that though? Because that seems quite difficult because these are people who don't have a marketing background. You may have someone who's purely about logistics or purely about finance or management or something like that. How did you go about then saying, hey, this marketing is not just this thing that you put on radio and television, but yeah. there's a science to it and the it, laws of how people behave. It's, um, it's, it's, an, it's another really good question. It's another, it's another difficult one because, unfortunately, I think sometimes marketers get a bit of a, bit of a bad rap. I think mm. sometimes we're seeing as the colouring in department. I don't <laughs> think people actually fully understand that no as a marketer you can have you can have a lot of direct um direct input into your brand there's actually science that does go behind it and look one of one of my key achievements in in my career is that i've got at, at least foodland and the foodland board thinking more strategically about marketing now how does one do that and i guess every board will be different because individuals mm. are different but as i said it was just Every time an opportunity came up, it was, here is a tiny bit of data. Mm -hmm. Here's how one might interpret it. However, if you look at it from this way, it actually says X, Y, Z. Here's some other evidence that says it. And not in terms of a journal article. You Mm -hmm. don't print out journal articles (laughs) and and, and, then hand them around. You just do a little bit. Yeah. And then you show the results of what you did. Yeah. And then people start to go, okay, there might be something in this. And then that builds momentum for the next thing you say and then the next thing you say and the next thing you say. So it really is about building that trust of that personal brand that you have to say, hang on, not only is marketing a science, but I'm actually a marketing scientist. Yeah. And I'm slowly going to convince you month by month that what I'm saying, there actually might be some error in it because the results we're getting are indicating that. Yeah. Yeah, so you kind of you kind of ease them into it, drip feed them yep. rather than drown them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the temptation to drown them mm. anyone, right, is there because it's easy. Yeah. If you think you just get it over and done within <laughs> an hour, that's it. Thank you very much, but I, I would I would dare say the vast majority of organizations that 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 wouldn't work, especially when we start to talk about some really large organizations where there are hundreds or potentially yeah. thousands of people in, 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 in different countries as well. That's that's where I think things can get extremely difficult. I think that's wonderful advice because um, you know naturally different audiences are going to listen to this and that's why I try to cater to everyone, which is, they're gonna have, we're going to have people who are in industry who are aware of the Institute and they're wondering how can I get that through my organization and not necessarily their marketing department who may be on board, but it's it's the other people yeah. and convincing them yeah. that, hey, we should be spending money on, on, on conducting research that looks at what our distinctive brand assets are because that will help consumers find our brands in, in a crowded supermarket like the ones you operate. And that means that we'll have a greater propensity being purchased. But And then it's how to convince them. So that's, I think that's wonderful advice. Honestly, I think that's a piece of gold right there. Um, and do you think, uh, did, did books like How Brands Grow It all help you do that? Did that convince anyone or help you, not persuade, but win, win people over? Did that, is that well, a useful tool? For me, for, for me personally, it yeah, was, yeah. but not in the way that you, you may think. So, to the, at least to the best of my knowledge, I've actually never given that book to anybody yep. to say, read this and your life will change. What I have done is I use that book because the book is um, the book is actually written really well because it's in chapters yeah. that make sense. So I, when I still need to refresh myself or think what is a very basic or simplistic way to explain a certain topic, 
I know that I can just pick up that red book mm -hmm. and go, you know, to chapter three and say, okay, let me just refresh myself in here. Um, I might use an example like that or an example like that. So that's where I think that that book has, has, has really come in handy. I do believe that anybody could pick that book up mm -hmm. and read it and it would make sense to them. I've just never had that experience so far. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing. Um, I've tried to learn as much as I could from Byron is his writing style. So Byron, and I think the big thing I picked up from him was if I can write something in about 10, I'm paraphrasing basically what I picked up from him. This is not what he said. This is definitely not a direct quote. If I can say the same thing in 10 words that I could in 20, and it, it often it seems better. It's easier for your reader. Isn't it, isn't it funny when you just think back at like, one thing that somebody said one yeah. time and you remember it. I remember Byron once said you never start uh, a presentation with an apology yes. and I just I never have like yeah. that that has just always started like I've never said oh I'm sorry I'm late yeah. or I'm sorry that I've had IT issues Byron's just said that's just never a good way to start a show's week that you don't do that and yeah. that's just that's just something that has always always stuck with me yeah yeah same actually um, I start every presentation by saying and, and my students would know and Anyone I say, I always say welcome. Yeah, because yeah, I really like it because most of the time, you know, you're walking in a boardroom that's not yours. You're the odd one. You're the guest. Yeah. But if you use a term like welcome, it's kind of like all of a sudden, oh, Zach's welcoming me to his space and his environment. It's kind of turns it off, but it's also a very warm, welcoming yeah, gesture as well. Yeah, it um, is. And it kind of, to me, it leads the presentation off uh, on a really good foot. Whereas yeah. if you apologize, you're kind of on the back foot. Yeah. And I also don't like the thanking people for being there because it's like, oh, my time's not worth, worth I'm not worth listening to. So thank you for coming along and putting up with me. Like, yeah. Presenting's not hard enough. You have yeah. to think about how to actually start the thing as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. The first couple of minutes are always the hardest. That's hey, sure. guys. It's Zach Ainsbury here with just a couple of quick reminders. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. There are plenty more interviews to come with some of the world's leading marketing academics and practitioners. You do not want to miss these. In the meantime, if you're looking for another way to connect, then follow me on Twitter at Zach Ainsbury. That is Z-A-C-A-N-E-S-B-U-R-Y for my take on the marketing issues of the day.